Hi guys, uh, my name is Mina Choi. Uh, I'm sorry, Mina Choi Lee. I'm married now, and I'm one of the campus pastors here at the Seaside campus, alongside with my husband. And it's my first Sunday message. Hallelujah! I'm excited to preach today. Um, I've had a chance to preach on the mission field and on our Friday uh, prayer meetings, but it's my first Sunday. And actually, today is a very special Sunday. Uh, because it's the 1st of July, and for those of you who don't know, uh, each year, New Philadelphia Church, we have like a yearly theme, and so for 2012, our theme is the year of increase, and so today is July 1st, it's the first day of the second half of the year, and how many of you guys know that God is a God of increase, amen? And so I really believe it's a special Sunday today. Um, I just wanted to share a quick testimony. Last year, we had a year of intimacy. Um, if you were here last week, our lead pastor, Pastor Christian, he preached a message about sonship. I just uh, recommend, if you guys didn't hear it, to go to our Facebook page and listen to it. Um, but last year, intimacy was really established in the whole entire church um, with sonship and just a deep understanding of safety in the house. And so last July... First, um, we have one of our church plant team members, Sarah Boyle, who's doing our media team stuff. Say hello, Sarah. And if you guys didn't know, uh, Sarah is adopted. And so a couple of weeks before July 1st, uh, God really prompted her and her sister, her twin sister's heart, to start really praying for her birth parents uh, to meet them. And so they took some time to fast and pray for a couple of weeks. And so, you know, I was her small group leader back then, and she called me on July 1st, and she told me that they had found her birth parents, and that they had wanted to meet her, and that they were going to meet that following week. And so, you know, she was crying, and she was rejoicing, and, you know, we were praying together, and I was praying, and I really felt like that her testimony was assigned to the entire church, that God was really moving us to a deeper place of intimacy not just with the church family, but within our families as well. And so I just wanted to release that testimony to you guys to know that God is a God of increasing glory. And as it's the year of increase this year, that really God has so many awesome things in store for everyone here. Can I get an amen? Amen. So uh, today, uh, my message is about freedom. And if it was so cool how Marty, she sang a song of freedom. Uh, Pastor Caleb, he led us in a lot of songs of freedom. And no, we did not coordinate this. But just God, you know, just really wanted to establish freedom in this place. And so it says in Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set us free. You know, oftentimes when we look at this verse and we think about why Jesus died on the cross, we often think of, okay, God's purchased our freedom for us. He's given us full freedom from his wrath and from his justice. But oftentimes we don't think about our freedom here on this earth. Uh, John 3.17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So oftentimes when we think of freedom, we think of just salvation, right? But here actually in John 3.17, the verse that I just read, Saved in the Greek means sozo. Everyone say sozo. And what this means is it just doesn't mean to save as in salvation. It means to make whole, 
to heal and to deliver. Okay? And so if you look at this word sozo in the New Testament, it's actually mentioned over 100 times. And so when we hear about the account of the woman with the issue of blood, and also when Jesus healed the leper, the verb that's used in there is sozo. So it's not just one for salvation of our spirits, but it's also one of our body. Amen? Now, God just doesn't want um, healing for our bodies, but he also wants healing for our souls. And so, you know, as Christians today, we live in a world that's filled with brokenness. We live in a world that's filled with anxiety and, and fear, and oftentimes we can really get caught up in that. But I just want to let you guys know that freedom is for you. It's for your body, it's for your soul, and it's also for your spirit. And so if you're here today and you've been suffering from anxiety or you suffer from nightmares or you have like a chronic disease that maybe the doctors tell you that was passed down to generations, I just want to let you know that that sozo to save, to heal, deliver, and to make whole, that's for you today, amen? So I'm just going to uh, hit a couple points that um, what freedom is for, okay? And the first point is that freedom is for you. You know, it says in the Bible that Satan is the father of lies. And Satan is very strategic. You know, oftentimes uh, when I'm counseling people or, I'm, you know, kind of helping people through different things in their lives, they talk about different ways that the enemy kind of attacked them at a young age. You know, whether it's through trauma through family, uh, whether it's from, like, an estranged father who left when they were young, whether it's different addictions that they've had from youth. You know, Satan really tries to target you at a young age to try to mess you up uh, for the rest of your life. But uh, Jesus says that I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. And Jesus here he's really telling us, oftentimes we have a victim mentality where if we suffer from certain things, we have this like, oh God, please help me. Please save me. Please take this thing away from me. But Jesus is saying that you actually have all authority to trample on the things in your life. If you're suffering from things of bondage, if you're suffering from fear or insecurities, what Jesus purchased on the cross for you is not just salvation, but it's the freedom for your daily life. You know, oftentimes when, you know, I, you know, as I said, I was counseling people, it's this kind of mentality that people have that we just have to deal with it, that, like, these are the cards that I've been dealt with, you know? This is what's happened in my life, and I just have to keep living my life this way. But the truth of the word is, again, in Galatians 1, is that for freedom, Christ has set us free. And so this freedom is meant for us, it's meant for us to live an abundant life. It's meant for us to live in peace. It's meant for us to live in joy. Amen? Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, in every believer, there is an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, right? And so if you're a believer, you have that same spirit of freedom that lives within you. And so that means if the spirit of God is inside of you, that that bondage, those lies, they have to go. You know, you can't keep living like that, you know? And so oftentimes, you know, when I talk to people who kind of 
uh, haven't gotten this revelation of freedom is for them, I give, kind of give them an example. I give them an analogy. You know, so I love teaching. And so oftentimes, you know, even when I counsel people or talk with people, I speak in a lot of analogies, okay? And so this is the analogy I often give, okay? So since a lot of us are teachers here, okay, imagine you're the teacher, okay? And there's a classroom full of students, And in the back corner, there's like a guy who looks really creepy. And you can kind of sense that he wants to hurt the kids, okay? So to make it a little more real, okay, let's say that this guy has many felonies of child molestation, okay? And so if you're the teacher and you've been given authority over that classroom, you have the right to kick this guy out, right? But oftentimes what Satan does is he lies to us that... That, you know, creepy guy has to stay there. And so even as you're teaching the class, you can kind of see the creepy guy in the corner of your eye. And you kind of start to get used to him being there. But what really needs to happen is you just have to exercise your authority and tell that guy, leave my classroom, get out of my sight, amen? And so in that kind of way, oftentimes when we deal with our own problems, we kind of easily accept how our life is, you know? Like, if you have, like, a younger sister, like, I have a sister who's seven years younger than me, and when things happen to her, I get really angry, you know? Like, if some guy, like, breaks her heart or some guy does something to her, I just get filled with this anger, this rage, this, okay, not an unhealthy rage, but, I mean, like, I just get filled with this, like, justice. Like, I want justice to be done. But let's say the same thing happened to me, which it has. I'm happily married now, but it has happened. Like, in that time, I couldn't find myself feeling that same kind of thing, you know? And so oftentimes, even when we deal with our own problems, we don't want that kind of freedom for us because we don't see ourselves in that kind of way, you know? So it's really that freedom is meant for us. And in that same way, in that analogy, we got to just tell Satan to get out of our lives. We just tell that anxiety, we're not going to deal with you any longer. That fear, I'm not going to succumb to you any longer. And just exercise that God-given authority that he's given to you. Say, I have the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. And now I'm going to choose to live a life of freedom. Amen. Now, in a, you know, kind of, I've been discipling people for a long time and, you know, been at the church about five years now. And so I've noticed that God, he frees people in a couple of ways, you know, and our God, he's a supernatural God and he's, he's creative. So he could do many things, but I'm just going to go over a couple ways in which God can set you free. Okay. The first way that God can set you free is through a power encounter with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Uh, a biblical example is in the Gospels, you see uh, the woman with the issue of blood uh, in Luke. And it talks about how she had this bodily discharge for 12 years. And that all her money was spent in trying to get healed of this disease, okay? And so what we don't know sometimes in reading these passages is that back then, the Jewish people, if you had this kind of discharge, then you were considered unclean. So this means that for the 12 years that she was suffering in her body, not only that, her soul was suffering because for those 12 years, everyone was treating her like an outcast. They didn't want to talk to her. They just kind of ignored her. 
And she probably kept, you know, kept a lot of trauma. She probably felt really lonely. She probably felt really depressed in these things. But when she saw Jesus, all this faith rose up in her. And all she did was she reached out for his garment. And it says in the, in the, in the book of Luke that she touched him and she felt power leave her, right? And in that one power encounter, she was not only healed of her disease, but I'm pretty sure that just Jesus also, that power healed her soul. It started, gave her that new beginning where now she could live a normal life. And that just that one power encounter just, boom, changed her life forever. You know, I have a friend um, that, her name is Lisa, and she's the missions director of our church. And I actually got her permission to share this testimony today. And, you know, she had grown up in a family, a very broken family, and an abused, uh, abusive household, I guess you could say. And so growing up, there was a lot of violence in her home, um, not just physically, but also, like, emotionally, a lot of, I guess, beating down of the family, okay? So Lisa, when she came to Korea, she had left uh, her family, and she just had years and years of bitterness unforgiveness towards her father because of the different things that had happened. And so, you know, I remember that we, you know, we lived together for a couple years. And even in that time, like, you know, I would ask questions and I would say, so tell me about your family. And she was always like super vague about it. And she'd be like, oh, this, this, that, something father. And kind of, it would go, go, go past. And so I was like, in my mind, I made a mental note. Okay, don't bring up her dad. (laughs) Right. And so, through, uh, you know, getting discipled in our church, um, she finally brought up to one of the pastors here about her really struggling uh, to have unforgiveness towards her father. And so, you know, they kind of started talking about it, and it was kind of that first step, that first open door for her to really share about it with anybody, because at that point, she hadn't shared with me, she hadn't shared with people around her, um, but that she did have a desire that, you know, God started to spark that that you know, desire to forgive. And so a couple weeks later, we went to our church retreat. Um, it was in 2007. And the church, uh, the retreat speaker, he had an altar call. And he just called people up to the front. And Lisa, she came running up to the front. And as she got prayed for and the retreat speaker laid hands on her, all of a sudden, like, she started getting reminded of all these memories of her past. So she told me it was kind of like a like a comic strip, you know how it goes like this, like those old movies. It was just like one after the other, different memories of her childhood, uh, different memories of a lot of hurt and anger. She just started, God just started reminding her of these things one by one. Uh, but the different thing was, was that when she saw this and experienced it again, it's like God in that one instant just took away all the pain. And in that one power encounter, she was able to forgive. That bitterness was broken off of her. The unforgiveness was broken off of her. And just from that one power encounter, she like left that retreat totally different. You know what I mean? And something like that where people have, you know, different issues with their family, this can take years and years of counseling uh, to go through, to kind of, you know, unpack. But it's in that one power encounter that God can just boom. He just takes it away, and he just frees you in that instance. Um, A second way that God can set you free is through discipleship. And so in our church, we have different small groups um, meeting throughout the week. Um, Right now, 
we're going to be going on a break soon, but starting September, uh, we have signups for small groups where basically you commit to a small group and that small group leader commits to you. And it's just a time of discipleship. It's a time of sharing. It's a time of where that person pours out to you uh, and does uh, different activities with you and just teaches you about different things. Now, if you want to get free, you really need to look for a mentor uh, in the form. It could be a small group leader or a different person, but it's so important because once you submit to that person and that spiritual covering, then that's when God starts to really reveal the different things of your life. And it says in the Word of God that God, he gives like a special grace to leaders where they can really shepherd you and disciple you. And as you kind of commit to that, you can get different breakthroughs in your life. Now, I know some of you may have gone through, you know, different stuff at churches where you don't want to submit to men. And you kind of have this attitude like, I don't want to submit to men. I'm going to submit to God, right? Well, you want to consider this. Our Heavenly Father God, he's the one that sets the spiritual authorities of a place. And submitting to God is often going to look like submitting to man. Because um, God is the one that places them, you know, that kind of attitude where you say like, oh, I don't want to submit to my leader, then it's actually like a very prideful and independent spirit, right? So through the discipleship is a way that you can really get set free from different things. Um, a third way where God can set you free is through counseling. And, you know, what's interesting is I find that um, oftentimes God will bring people to our leaders who've gone to, through similar hardships and things like that. And so when that leader kind of spends time with you to kind of counsel you through, like help to process different emotions, help to see the truth and where the enemy has planted lies, it's really a powerful thing where God can kind of set you free in that moment. Amen? Okay, we're going to go to our point number two, um, that freedom is for your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor and say, freedom is for you. Freedom is for you. You know, uh, the vision of our church, it comes from Isaiah 61, which is, I'm drawing a blank, what am I saying? Okay, to raise up a mighty army. To go out in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, to bind up the brokenhearted, and to set free the captives, right? And so, you know, our church plan here, it started in April officially, so it's been about three months since we've been here. And our church in Seoul sent us down here. Now, I know when we first came to Busan, and I kind of shared with people, like, yeah, we all gave a two-year commitment, and... We moved from Seoul here. We dropped everything there to come here. People kind of thought that was a little bit strange, right? But the vision of the church is that freedom is for everyone. It's for our neighbors. And so when the leader sent us out here, it wasn't with the idea like, oh, like we have so much to sacrifice. It's the idea that the freedom that we've experienced, we want to now give to the city of Busan. And why did, uh, our leaders were really willing and eager to serve this way, and it's because that we've been taught that freedom is not just for us, but it's for our neighbor. Freedom is for every person in the Sunday service. 
It's for the coworkers at your hagwon. It's for your family. It's for the newcomers that even if it's the first time today, it's for your neighbor. Amen? You know, when uh, God sets you free of a certain sin or a certain struggle, you now have that authority to set people free in that same area. And so for me, you know, I had, I don't even know, I don't think I've ever shared my testimony here at Seaside yet, but um, if you know uh, me and Caleb's testimonies, <laughs> Many of you might be a little worried from our terrible lives from before. Um, but, you know, my story is, you know, I, I had grown up in the church, and I just got super jaded um, from, like, having to do the right thing and seemingly of this religion. And so um, starting from high school, my senior year in high school, I just started to hardcore rebel. I started to drink a lot. I really got into drugs, um, started to be sexually active. And so I kind of lived this life for a long time away from the Lord and all the way up to, all the way up to about 2006 while I was in Korea. You know, I kind of have that background, you know? So for, you know, those of you guys who like clubbing, I was in the club like every week, you know, dancing and drinking and, and, you know, having that kind of worldly fun. But it's so interesting the people that God will bring into my area, like, who come to count, you know, for counseling or for different things. Cause oftentimes they're struggling with the same thing, you know? They're struggling with drinking or they're st- struggling with being sexually pure or they're struggling with these different things. But now that I've seen God heal me and deliver me from those things, I now have that authority and that faith to kind of give hope and fresh perspective and to help set others free. So, you know, things that, testimonies that you have in your life, whether small or whether big, those things are like God-given authorities in your life for you to now help set your neighbor free. Amen? You know, if you kind of look at this world and you look at the people around us, you know, you can see that the, the lives that people live are really filled with like different kinds of bondages, like different types of oppression, you know? Like sometimes we walk through the streets of Kwangali and I kind of like look around at people kind of having fun, but they just ha- it just seems very like a hopeless, like everyday, like these kind of cycle, cyclical living, right? But God not only wants us to be free, he wants those people on the streets of Busan to be free. He wants people, our neighbors, our people that are living with us, our roommates, <laughs> or our people and our family to be free as well. Okay. <laughs> so if you look at uh, Jesus' public ministry, you know, for the couple years that he was here on this earth, after he was baptized by the Holy Spirit, you see that his ministry was marked with healing and deliverance. You know, all these people that he encountered, he healed them of leprosy. He healed them of different ailments. He, you know, talked to the adulterous women and she got saved. It's just his ministry was marked by healing and deliverance. And if you look at the word Christ in the Greek, it means anointed one. And so us as Christians, we are to be like Christ. So that same anointing that was on Jesus to heal and to deliver, that same anointing is on you. 
You know, by the virtue of us being called Christians, when we say, I am Christian, you're basically saying, I am an anointing. I'm the anoint, I'm anointed one. Do you know that you have an anointing on you to heal and deliver others? You have an anointing that can heal the broken heart and proclaim freedom for the captives. Amen? Okay, finally, we have that freedom is not just for you. It's not for your neighbor, but freedom is for the nations. So if you look at uh, the history of America, I'm American, and uh, you look at how different legislations were passed, right? So if you look back in the day where things were not equal between Caucasians or white Americans and different races, you look at the different legislations that were passed, right? And so that freedom that the people experienced, it wasn't just for the Christian people. So when that law of legislation was passed that something like all races be equal or <laughs> the different things in the Constitution, that was meant for everybody, whether they were Christian or whether they were not. That kind of overarching freedom was for them. So that's just a kind of like the goodness of God, that when different kind of things are set in place um, for the nations and different legislations or different abolition movements, it's not just that the Christians can be free, but it's really that the whole world can be set free of different things. You know, our God is a good God. And a lot of the times we tend to focus on salvation, and we tend to focus on us going into heaven. But if you even look around us today in South Korea, we have a lot of things to be thankful for, right? If you just look a little bit up north in North Korea, that's a country that is under a lot of oppression. They have no freedom to worship. Uh, they have no freedom to do, they don't have freedom to feed their family. They don't have freedom to do things that we normally take for granted. It's just a little bit above us. That freedom is limited. And so if you look at the country, North Korea, it's full of so many injustices, right? But that injustice or that freedom that we have here in South Korea, it's not just for us. God wants it for North Korea. You know, God wants that freedom for people in human trafficking. He wants people, he wants freedom for those in poverty. He wants freedom for the unborn baby. You know, actually I was, you know, these days I've been getting really, uh, my heart's been stirring about uh, the issue of abortion. And there's a statistic that the number of abortions that, so the number of babies that have died and babies that have been aborted is actually way higher than all the number of people that have died in the wars. Okay, and so this is a very, very, very high number. And I remember finding out about that and just being totally wrecked about that kind of thing. So if you, another part of my testimony is, you know, when I was in college, and I was dating my boyfriend sometime early in college. I actually had an abortion. And once God kind of set me free from that kind of shame and that condemnation, like he just started to build inside of me a, a heart for this injustice. Like although that I had done it in the past, you know, it says that we are forgiven and free, that we are dead to sin, that God just started to stir in me this hunger for this injustice to be ended. 
And so can you imagine, like, all those people, all those babies, all those people whose lives were terminated before it even began? It's just millions and millions and millions and millions of babies who never had the chance to even be born yet, you know? It's like these different kinds of injustices that are happening around the world that heaven and God is waiting for us to take a stand on. You know, he just doesn't want freedom for you. He doesn't want just freedom for your family. But there's people in North Korea, there's people all over the world who are suffering from different injustices, and they're just crying out. They're longing, they're desiring for this freedom that we experience every day, you know? It says in uh, the, the book of Revelations that there's just bowls, okay? There's bowls in heaven, and that every time we pray, God will fill those bowls, right? And so there's some bowls that are really small, and there are some bowls that are super big, and I, I'm sure that those kind of bigger bowls are the different things of injustice, right? Like, the, you know, abortion or human trafficking, uh, you know, different things like that. And God's just, he's just waiting for his people to get a measure of his heart and really jump onto that, you know? Jesus died on the cross for us that we would live an abundant life. You know, it says in John 10.10 10 that, oh man, I'm drawing a bit. It says in 10.10 10 that he's given us life and life abundant. God is waiting for you to take your place in understanding that you have a purpose in all of this, you know? So, you know, oftentimes we might look at different things of injustice and we might think like, oh man, God, this problem is so big. Like the problem of human trafficking, even with the human trafficking statistics, with the number of women that are enslaved to this, it's actually a, even a greater number than all the people that have been enslaved in the past. So like the African-Americans, you know, in America that were used as slaves. Now today, that number is increasingly greater than all that has happened in the past before. And so God is just waiting for his people to come to the understanding that freedom is, is for the entire nation and for us to really to take place in that plan and to pray and to, to start to fill up those bowls in heaven, to come in agreement with his heart and just start declaring, God, free your people in North Korea. God, uh, give the revelation of life uh, to people who want you know, who are considering having abortion. God, just, you know, raise up NGOs, raise up prayer warriors, raise up people who give an understanding that freedom is not just for me, but that freedom is for the nations. It's just this deep, deep desire. You know, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus, he bore our sins and he took our pain, he took our suffering, he died with a purpose. You know, that purpose wasn't just for us and just for this small circle. It was for the entire nation, the nations all around the world. Like, you know, right now there's, I think, like 7, 8 billion people on this earth. There's so many people, uh, so many things of injustices that are going on right now. It says in God's word, you know, that all we have to do is pray for the workers of the harvest and God will bring them in. It's really time for the church to stop believing in small dreams, but to understand that God is a God of big dreams. If he wants to bring in the harvest through you, he wants to bring in the harvest to you, but it starts with the understanding that freedom is for me, 
Freedom is for people around me, and freedom is for the nations. Amen? Okay, we're going to take some time to pray. If you guys can just all close your eyes and bow your heads. And we want to just take this time to respond. And first, you know, as this message was going out, if you started getting reminded of different things, different insecurities that you go through, different fears that you have, we want to just take this time and just declare that freedom is for me. I no longer want to deal with this bondage. I no longer want to come in agreement with the enemy that this is what is for my life. I want to be free of these different things. Now, whether it's how that happens, we don't know. But let's just take this time to respond and just tell God that we want to be free of these things and that to, to, to declare the power of the cross. Let's pray.